welcome to the Zombie Girls Podcast. I'm your co-host Rachel and joining me is a couple of my favorite lovely zombie ladies, Matilda. Hi. And Ariel. Hi. Sarah's out this week. Don't worry, she's not gone forever. She just had to take a little <laughs> a little break. She had uh, some some stuff come up and she will be back with us next time. In fact, the next episode she will be programming. So I guess what I'm saying is you in danger. <laughs> I think we're in danger. I, I know we're in danger. <laughs> How no have you guys been? How have you? What have you been up to? It's been a long time. Yeah, I guess it has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I have not been up to that much, unfortunately. Really? Usually, you're out mixing with the people. Or by people, right. I mean, naked weirdos. I so, do have a story to tell. You, uh, but... See, this is barely yeah. the lead messman rucker is your name. <laughs> <laughs> You're always like, oh, nothing except well, for, you know, the I haven't been 17 dongs that stuff. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my All right, Dish, what's going on? Tell us about your weirdo neighbors. Okay, so you know how I'm always seeing people in various states of undress and in the middle of sexy times but nobody else ever sees this yes which makes me feel a little bit crazy because nobody ever witnesses this happening you know what? yeah I... you're like the kid in the sixth sense but like for naked people. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i see genitals <laughs> okay so... uh, to, to this moment i've never doubted you but now i'm like Wait, is she conjuring this shit? <laughs> so at the end, you're going to be like, that person was naked the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Where is this going? All right. So finally, somebody else witnessed something kind of weird. So okay. I was out with my mom. Awkward. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> I take my mom to an appointment and we came outside and we're waiting for our ride. And there was this guy who was sitting on the curb reading a book, obviously also waiting for somebody. Didn't think anything of it until his ride got there and he stood up and turned towards us and he was wearing shorts. Okay. That's already better than I thought that (laughs) we were about to hear. But they were unzipped. Oh no! Oh. It went the roller coaster, and there was no, no underwear to no. be seen. No, no. there was no. just penis. No, yeah, he, was just, he just sitting there turned around to and flashed us. I don't know. Like my generous, he was waiting for his getaway it. car. <laughs> were things oh my God. alert, or were they more chilled out? <laughs> Everything was pretty chill. Okay, so okay. there's a chance that this that was, it was not an accident. But here's the thing. It was 40 degrees outside. So mm. how do you not notice? And we were right by the waterfront, so it's crazy windy down there. Mm. I don't okay. understand how you would not notice that your junk is being exposed to the elements. You, know uh, I mean? you would at least feel a little wind in the hair, you would think. You would oh! <laughs> oh, my God, Matilda. <laughs> You guys somehow always manage to make it worse for me. I'm not sure how you accomplish it every time. So, okay, so when this happens, what is what do you and mom do? Do you just like whistle and act like nothing's happening? Like, do, 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 do. 
or did you exchange a look or what happened? I think we were just sort of standing there in stunned silence. And then he got in the car and drove away. And my mom just looked at me and she was like, did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I did. You missed a perfectly good gaslighting opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And do you feel like he knew? Oh, God, I don't know. I just, I can't figure out how you could not know, but maybe he's weird or something. But, but I it didn't seem know. like an intentional showing. Well, I mean, he did turn towards us and there was no reason to because the car was on the other side. So he'd been sitting there with his book hiding yeah, his back to surprise. Us. Yeah. And just waiting for the getaway driver to get there. Like this, I, I'm convicted. Does, I'm convicted. That does seem suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Open, I, I need street. a sound effect right now that's like case closed. <laughs> we have a John Constantine. I don't know what do you call it? A flasher? A flasher? I didn't need to make up a word. There's already a word that exists. <laughs> Did you say Let's move forward. Slinger? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I definitely didn't. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> boring until then so i guess that's something i also felt a little vindicated that finally somebody else saw something strange you know yeah you but are I could have a master of a seeing. silver lining <laughs> <laughs> i just need everybody to keep it in their pants at all times you know just stop it yeah like it's okay to just keep your pants on i'm just gonna i know this is a wild thing to say but and I realized that i am a never nude so <laughs> maybe <laughs> just pants on in public yeah. i feel like it's yes. a low bar <laughs> right am i crazy i mean you're the nudist amongst us matilda am i asking too much is no. my never nude ways <laughs> no there is a time and a place right and like consensual nudity is important yes thank you i have not consented everybody needs to go away <laughs> Oh, but then what will we talk about at the opening of our podcast? Yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> I think we need to all... start feeding you because you like a kind of like good one-liner. I think we need to start feeding you one-liners to say when you oh run goodness. across the level of nudity. Right? Yes. Yeah. What you can I say that's start funny shouting, but also like... shames them into putting clothing on? I feel like you should adopt that. Have you ever seen that viral video of the woman like penis shaming some guy in her car? No. Where no. Like, Angus. Your penis is too small. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like five minutes of her just screaming just like that. Small. (laughs) I've only seen the one of the woman on the subway who a guy took it out and she like was started shouting to the train about what was going on. Oh, maybe you just start shouting like, you know, see something, shout something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I think a good. I mean, the question is: Is shaming a part of the kink? I don't know. Oh, gross! Or do they? Is it just because they like know people are shocked into silence? They keep doing it. I don't know. Not real happy with either one of those scenarios. Yeah, but, but you gotta get everybody's consent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my dog and I did not consent to see this. <laughs> she is my only other witness. <laughs> Oh 
this thing, this video is quite long. You can't see, but my face is like in a cringe that I am not sure. My, you know, when they tell you like if somebody hits you, you're going to stay that way. I think my mm-hmm. face is going to stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you need to channel lady in the car. All right. All right. If it happens <laughs> again, well, maybe I'll give that a try. Uh-huh, or like my mom, who would be a little shaming. Yeah, well, I, well, oh. yeah. What would M- Mom of Matilda say in a scenario like this? Let's let's channel. I don't know. I don't know that anybody's taken it out in front of her, but I do know that once she told me a story that she and my dad were at a cafe, and he was facing a different direction from her, and there was a couple behind her, and he was like, "Turn around!" Like the woman's got her hand like in the guy's pants, oh. and he wanted her to look, and my mom was like, "Is it erect? Because if it's not erect, I don't care." <laughs> I love your mom. So maybe if it's not erect, I don't care. It's the erect. <laughs> Although that that could be taken as an invitation. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, it could also that. backfire. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think Operation S M O L is the key. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow, Ariel! Wow! <laughs> I, I'm. <laughs> I feel guilty by how delighted I am by all these stories. Because <laughs> so I don't really maybe want that's them to my happen to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why all these nudists have moved to such a um such a chilly place. Yeah, and it rains a lot too. I know. Why is this not a San Diego problem or something? Like why is it a I there? feel like it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> maybe we should move How on before Rachel. How have you been, Matilda? <laughs> I've been fine. I've been a little bit more inside the last couple months because of Omicron, and I'm, it's yeah. getting, it's wearing on me a little bit. But I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although we got to go do something the other day, that was fun. We did. We ate falafel, which I haven't had mm. in so long. Yum! Oh, Sounds delicious. Great. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it's just, it's about testing and hang. You got to test and hang. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I told you, I'm getting weird. I don't know how to you, interact with other people anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I need that, that contact. <laughs> oh, same. I'm going to be like, you know, my dad, who is so extroverted that famously he was told, I told you this, that um, he went to Costco and somebody in line told him, I don't come to Costco to make friends. Oh, oh no! That's so sad. I'm heartbroken for your dad. <laughs> that's me so mean. As I... someone who hates it when people talk to me at the grocery store, to the point where I don't even go to the grocery store anymore, I would still <laughs> never say that. I know. <laughs> I know. I think I'm gonna end up like him though, because I'm so like starved for human contact. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna go get dinner to, or dinner today, so we'll 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 top off your tank a little bit today. Promise. Yeah. Well, if you go to the restroom and come back, and the person at the table next to us is like, "I don't come here to make friends." That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So I guess that let's maybe talk about what we've been watching. Uh, Ariel, what have you been watching? Okay, so I watched this movie that came out on Shutter not too long ago called "The Last Thing Mary Saw." Oh, I keep meaning to watch this. Was it good? It is good. It's an interesting movie because. It's basically about this woman, this young woman who has fallen in love with the maid in her home. So it's a lesbian love story where they're being accused basically of witchcraft Mm. by their family and the community and sort of how that plays out. Um, So it's really interesting and 
that you don't usually see the like the lesbian story from that time period. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and it's a very sweet story between them, even though all these sort of horrific things are being done to them all the time. Um, I would say for you, Rachel, though, you're probably going to think the movie is about 25 minutes longer than it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I hate myself for saying this, but I actually think you'd probably be right. And that's welcome to the right side of history, Ariel. <laughs> uh, Rory Culkin is also in it, and mm, he has I a love really him. interesting role. Him. Yeah, yeah. It almost took me a second to recognize him because he's so different in this this movie, but mm-hmm. he's interesting and very creepy. I don't entirely understand his entire sort of plot arc in the movie. I feel like maybe I missed something there, but I do think people will enjoy the ending of this one. It is, like I said, though, kind of slow. So you got to hang with it through that, you know? Um, And then the other thing that I watched recently is this documentary that came out towards the end of last year called Buried. Have either of you guys seen this one? Hmm. Tell me more. Mm -mm. Okay. So it's about this court case that took, place in the late 80s early 90s where this woman had supposedly remembered 20 years later that when she was a kid she witnessed her father murder this little girl and so it's all about the court case of basically an entire trial being done decades after the murder happened with zero physical evidence and the only evidence they have basically is the memories through testimony of this woman who claims to have sort of, you know, all of a sudden had these memories. Uh-huh, like forward. recovered memories. Yes. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the Susan Nassen case. And it's a very interesting documentary. It does do that thing where like the first episode, it presents sort of one side and you're like, yes, I totally believe this person. And then the second episode presents the other side and you're like, wait a minute. No, I don't. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's four episodes long and it goes through, like I said, the whole court case and all of the sort of crazy media attention that it got, you know, where it was on every talk show and every news station because um, it was this very long, very public trial. And then all of the things that happen subsequent to the trial of things, you know, new evidence coming up, things getting overturned, her recovering more memories and the whole sort of argument about whether recovered memories are a real legitimate thing and whether that can ever be used as evidence in a court case. Because this was, I guess, the first time they had ever been used to convict somebody. So anyways, it's really interesting. And Matilda, you might find it interesting. And if you watch it, I would love to hear your thoughts about it because I found the whole thing bizarre and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. That's I'm totally going to watch that. <laughs> it's on Showtime. Okay. So if you have that, um, you can watch it there. I do but, now because yeah, of Yellow Jackets. Yeah. yeah, that's why I watched it too. <laughs> what have I begun? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'm going to definitely check that out because I love a good like sort of crime documentary. Yeah, if you guys see it, I would love to hear your thoughts on it because it's just, it's just so strange because – you know, the idea that somebody recalls something in such great detail, but then you slowly find out, like, maybe they could have gotten the details in these other ways. And it's very interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's the premise of a movie or, or something. I know there's something similar in a Gillian Flynn novel, but it's a brother that 
right? Isn't there something like that? There is in, in uh, dark places. Dark mm-hmm. places, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so yeah, okay. I will definitely check that out. How about you, Tilly? What have you been watching? Uh, well, I burned through Archive 81. Yes, mm. me too. Oh, so good. And I had not listened to the podcast. Did you listen to the podcast? I did so, not even know it was a podcast until somebody on Discord mentioned it. I think it was Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have not finished it. So don't spoil the ending in case. Because they've deviated from the podcast quite a bit. Because I oh, actually okay. have listened to the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they they. I mean, there's some things. Obviously, there's a lot of crossover. A lot. Uh-huh. But the way it's being presented is differently. And like the dynamic between the two lead characters is very different. So I don't actually know where it's going. Oh, interesting. The podcast. Cool. Like, like all the contact that they have is not really in the podcast. It's much more because the podcast is just like every week is to a certain point. It's just her, him decoding these, or yes. like cleaning these things up and her having interviews with different people that live in the house. In the gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's very, very different. Right. Yeah, but I'm really, really liking it. Yeah, it's good. The cast is good. Mm-hmm. The it looks great. Um, and I don't know if it's going to come back for another season. Mm. I hope so. I hope so too. But that was, <laughs> a, that was where a good the binge. First season of the like, if if it goes where the the podcast goes, it's like like it goes into like weird body horror stuff in the second season. I don't know if that's, mm-hmm. but that like, terrific. like weird, like, yeah, I don't want to spoil it in case it goes there. But it, I was just kind of like, is are we gonna see like Tetsuo stuff? It's like very, mm, it's very mm. strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it took some turns that I was not expecting, so it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's such a great mystery, and like you said, all the characters are really interesting. And I thought I might be annoyed with the way it flips back and forth between the two perspectives, but I actually think the way that they wove it together is really good. And I also love the choice that they made to not have it be shaky cam through her camera the whole time, but that as he's watching the film, we get back to sort of her story and it's being filmed like a normal movie would be. Um, I personally appreciated that a lot. I did too, because it's kind of like some essentially like found footage in a, in a, in a filmed movie but sometimes you're like where are we getting this footage and like i don't care i'd rather just not be nauseous (laughs) (laughs) right exactly and i think some of it can be explained away by some of the things that happen later in Mm -hmm. the movie you know but as it's all being uncovered i was just glued to the screen i wanted to know exactly what was going on here and how everything was connected and i thought it was super satisfying the way that it ended I also really love his friendship with that other guy, you know, the Oh, guy. yes, with the the guy played by Matt McGorry who yes, I love. Yes, he's such yeah. a good friend. Mhm. Yeah. I was try it was driving me why like it was tip of my tongue like where I knew him from and I had to look oh. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different characters, very different. Yes, characters. very different character from his Orange is the New Black turn. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I've been uh is we watched Yellow Jackets. I know yeah. everybody probably within the reach of our voices watched this, but it was so fun and I loved with for the finale we did like a Patreon group watch. That um, was so much fun. And I just want to make another plug that if you are not in our Patreon that those group watches are so much fun. You got to get on the Discord. Like mm-hmm. in Patreon, you if you're in Patreon, you should be on our Discord because it is so much fun. 
like and we do stuff like this sort of it was not necessarily a planned thing but like we all got so excited that we're like let's do this as a group watch so there's like there's planned things and then there's spontaneous things Mm -hmm. so like we're talking kind of maybe about doing the texas chainsaw massacre group watch we'll see we'll Mm -hmm. see but the point is you should if you are like matilda says if you are already a patron or you're not a patron yet you should definitely come in and get on the discord because it's we would love to have you and the more the merrier and it's a lot of fun yeah yeah it's super fun. And um, because of that, I got Showtime and I have been hearing, especially from one of uh, my favorite true crime podcasters, that uh, the Showtime documentaries are really like leveling up. So Ariel, what you're saying about Buried makes sense. And I'm excited to oh, dive into okay. more of those because he- they're getting good, uh, good feedback. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's exciting because I love a good true crime documentary. The next one that I have planned to watch on there is Love Fraud because I think Rachel told me about that one once. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> you guys need to watch that one. Okay. Because you, especially for the, like, the, the bounty hunter lady. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Who's just like, we're going to get him. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> my list yeah and it's let me it's let me um get into work in progress too which i'm like saving a little by little but so good oh i've never watched that oh you should watch it oh okay yeah Mm -hmm. it's really fun yeah so that's what i've been watching awesome so you guys kind of took all the stuff i've been watching (laughs) so which is good i mean it just means we're all kind of on the same page and i'm glad they got covered the only thing that you guys are not watching that i'm watching is peacemaker which right. is on HBO. It mm-hmm. is a series on HBO that is a spinoff of the James Gunn uh, Suicide Squad. The good movie one. That came out, I guess, early last year. Mm-hmm. Which was <laughs> surprisingly pretty great. I mean, it's James Gunn who has a very particular point of view. And, uh, you know, kind of raunchy, very left-leaning in his politics, um, and very, very violent. So, hello. Of course, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my taste in a nutshell. So, this series follows Peacemaker, who was not my favorite character from the movies, and I was kind of yeah. bummed that he was the. But what he's doing with that character is really interesting because it's like all about how he was like created through tra- childhood trauma, and he. It's kind of like I think Randy said this. Sorry, producer Randy said. That it's essentially like a live action archer. Oh. Oh, cool. So if you enjoy that sort of dynamic, you'll mm-hmm. enjoy this. But also, like, there he goes on these sprees of like th- there's a whole thing about Louis C.K. exposing himself. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and like the thing about like you hear it and you're like, oh no. And it's like coming out of John Cena's mouth, and you're like, oh no. But then like you have to remember that James Gunn is a master of punching up. Mm-hmm. and so all he does is punch up it's great and there's a handful of moments like that it's it's very yeah it's quite funny it's very bloody it's a total dose of serotonin so i would recommend giving it a go if right. you are kind of on the fence about it it's one of my favorite things that i've seen in a long time Really? Okay. Well, that's yes. interesting because I hated the original Suicide Squad movie. Oh, it's but terrible. I, it's horrendous. Yeah. But I really <laughs> liked this newer one. And But when I saw Peacemaker come out, I had the same thought you did. was like, I don't know that I really need to see that much of Peacemaker. You know, like he was good mm-hmm. in drips and drabs in the movie, but I don't know that I need to see a whole thing about him. But if you liked it, then 
maybe I'll give it a shot. It's it's much more of an ensemble piece. Okay, cool. Um, And it yeah, it introduces a character named Vigilante that I'm fucking obsessed with. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, he like I wish it was the Vigilante show. (laughs) I will say this move the show has almost made me cry in a couple of points because it's surprisingly poignant. Yeah, there's lots of stuff there. So check out Peacemaker. Okay, all right. All right. So really quickly before we get into this episode, I want to take a moment to thank our amazing patrons. We have we are so lucky that you guys listen to the show, that you like us well enough to be patrons of the show. Um, And, you know, we're working really hard this year to step up our Patreon game to make sure that, you know, you get every penny's worth out of it because we value every single one of those. Um. And so I also want to just take a minute. I'm just going to run through our patrons um, and thank you all personally by name, because like I said, we are so, so, so grateful. All right. First up is Angela. Thank you so much for being a patron. Justin, you know who you are. Thank you for being a patron. Jeff, you have been a patron from almost the very beginning, and we are so grateful for you. Eddie, of course, we love, we love, love, love you and are so grateful. Tracy, who is on the Discord. Yes. Makes Thank it you. better with her presence and her amazing fucking embroidery. Yes. Holy shit. Oh, that's right. Yes. God damn it. You're mm-hmm. talented. We love yes. that. <laughs> yes. Our good buddy, Jeff, who is always bringing the best beers on the Patreon and <laughs> lately the killer cat content. Oh, so yes. grateful for I'm you. really enjoying the whole cat dad storyline. It's mm-hmm. pretty right. great. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of cats, cat, of course, our beloved yes. cat, who is like on days where the discord is a little quiet. She keeps it lively. She keeps it popping. Diane, who is like a mentor and has supported my career and continues to support my passion project. Thank you so much. Johan, I don't know you, but I want to. You you should be on the Discord. Join us. (laughs) Aster, oh, love you, Aster. Playing trivia with you was so much fun. I was just going to say that. That was so much fun. We really got to do that again at some point because it was a real joy to get to know you. And uh, Aster is an HZIC level patron. We need to get you on the show. You're supposed <gasps> yes! to be hosting. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, my gosh. You got to pick the show you want to come on. I know. We yeah. keep talking back and forth, but we haven't nailed something down. So we need to make it happen. There's also someone named Jody who's at the HZIC. <laughs> I, I feel like we should definitely get her on the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to hear her voice. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It'll be very intriguing. All right, Sarita. Sarita, who uh, I have, we have not gotten a horror update from her in a we while. We haven't. Yes, we need I, a new one, Sarita. She, yeah. She watched at least one of the movies. So. She did. And then she went quiet. And I'm a little worried about that. We got to get you back on the horror train. So yes. write us or text me, one or the other. <laughs> yes, Laura. Yes, it's, thank you so much for supporting us. I, I We need you on the Patreon as where are you or not patreon uh, discord we need you on the discord so we get to know you tracy oh my gosh tracy i chat occasionally with on social media uh-huh. she's amazing and funny and smart and i sent you a friend request so come on <laughs> hang out with us on the discord jonathan who i think has quietly been on the discord but never talks to us so jonathan talk to us yeah come on laura now laura is a new addition as well uh she is also at the ten dollar HCIC level. So Laura, I'm going to email you today because we're supposed to be on the show and come host with us. So I'm going to drop you a message today. Oh, that's exciting. 
Same thing with Mike, who is another person that I love chatting with on social media. Um, always has the hottest takes. Uh, super, Ooh. super cool dude. And he is at the $10 level. So, Mike, expect an email. We're going to get you on the show. Darla. Hmm. Who could Darla be? <laughs> That's my mom. <laughs> thank you, Darla, for your support. It really does mean a lot. And thank you for making Ariel because I like her. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, the second uh we got a we have a family situation here our beloved joy thank you so much mm-hmm. for your support total star on the discord yes. bringing the a plus plus cat content oh, the only so uh, the only person on the show to have gotten not one but two personalized emo- no four yes, personalized yeah, so many, and they're our favorite <laughs> lizzie thank you so much for supporting us um you should also be on the discord what the hell uh jane (laughs) thank you thank you thank you for your support michelle i'm so glad that you are one of us and michelle i believe did just actually join the discord so thank you so much every one of you for your support if you if i have you haven't heard from me recently about being on the show you expect an email today or actually this will be out far after you would have received an email from me today So yeah, everyone out there who has not already signed up for the Discord or for the Patreon, think about it. Join us. We'll thank you by name. One of the many things we'll be doing this year to make being a patron, um, you know, worth it. Yeah. I mean, aside from the just deep and all encompassing satisfaction of knowing that you're supporting us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts for the patrons? No, I mean, we just appreciate it so much. This has been so exciting to be able to communicate with all of you guys and to know that you're listening and supporting us. It's been a real joy. We put a lot of work into all of the podcasts across the network, and it's just been really, really rewarding to have you guys be a part yeah. of it. Yeah, and the Discord, if if people aren't in the Discord, please get in the Discord. And even if you think, well, oh, I don't know if they want to hear from me. Like, I don't know these folks so well. We do. We do. I get so excited when there's a new <laughs> patron that pops up me and starts too. chatting. Like, yay! You know, not that I don't love all my fellow podcasters, but like, it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we also talk a lot. So, know. you know, it's so exciting when somebody new pops on there and has something to add. I'm so excited. Yep. All right, so that is it for what you've been watching. Time to review some movies. So like I said, these are movies that I picked. And the reason I selected them, it was kind of just a weird, it just sort of like came up as a weird combination in a conversation with Ariel. And I kind of fell in love with it because I wanted to pick something fun. Uh, We had just finished our end of year crunch. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, I need something brainless and fun. Yeah, I hear you. I hear that. And I thought these totally fit the bill and they kind of fit together because they're very female centric and of a time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And at the very least, I thought they would be really interesting to talk about in a modern context. So yeah. let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into those, <laughs> let's briefly let new listeners know and remind our longtime listeners what our spoiler policy is here on this podcast. Matilda, what, how, how do we do this? Are we spoilers? What do we do? Uh, so we uh, have a very specific spoiler policy, which is that we spoil everything. <laughs> and if we to ever be fair, tell you otherwise, we're wrong. We're lying. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, you've also had um, 30 and 35 years to watch these movies. So I feel like true. the window, what is that? The uh, statutes of spoiler limitations have lifted on Yes. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> 
Yeah. But uh, so, if you haven't seen these or it has been a long time since you've seen these, go watch these, get yourself a refresher and come back. All right, cool. So let's start with Death Becomes Her. Um, Ariel, you have the background for this. Tell me a little bit about this movie. Sure. So Death Becomes Her was written by Martin Donovan and David Coop and was directed by Robert Zemeckis. So at this point, when he directed Death Becomes Her, he had already had huge critical and commercial success with the Back to the Future movies and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) A wild (laughs) (laughs) follow-up. Agreed. (laughs) So with Death Becomes Her, he really wanted to push the boundaries of what was possible with digital effects. He wanted to have all these sort of gruesome things happen to the characters' bodies, but one of the main challenges was creating lifelike human skin and texture using computer graphics, which was basically unprecedented in the early 90s. Okay, the other thing I want to say real quick is that there are there's so much information out there about this movie and mm-hmm. tons of facts. So I'm just going to give you the stuff that I found the most interesting, but if you think that I missed something... Um, join our Patreon and come yell at me on the Discord. You know? <laughs> plug, plug. Well played, well played. <laughs> so in order to achieve this, they hired Industrial Lights and Magic, and apparently they basically invented an entire visual style of computer-generated imagery that changed the trajectory of Zumekis's career and sort of the film industry as a whole. And a year later... Um, Industrial Lights and Magic went on to use a lot of these same techniques in the making of Jurassic Park. So the other thing that was really important, yeah, so the other thing that was really important was figuring out just how realistic they should make the effects because, you know, like, should they go for really gruesome or, or less so because of the tone of the movie? So for instance, with the gunshot wound, the visual effects artist, Uh, director Doug Chang played around with it first he made a version that was gruesome and super realistic where you could see the internal organs and even part of the spine but that did not work with the tone of the film so he had to make it more in vain of like a Tex Avery cartoon to kind of emphasize the visual comedy and at the same time still trying to make all the skin texture look real The other piece of new technology that they used in the making of this movie was Photoshop. (laughs) Um, I guess at the time, visual arts departments were still doing all of their mock-ups with colored pencils, but Chang didn't think they were capturing all that real texture and the wounds and the bruising. So they started using Photoshop for it. And if you actually Google it, you can see his mock-ups of the twisted neck scene. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... They really used a mixture of a lot of CGI and practical effects to get the look that they wanted. So, for instance, in the scene where, and this is going to be kind of spoilery, (laughs) Meryl Streep's character takes the potion and starts to transform. They had originally created a pressure-lifting device built into her bra (laughs) to push her boobs. Whoa! (laughs) Frederick the Hollywood's like, what's that now? (laughs) (laughs) Is but in Hollywood still a thing? Oh, Did I just totally question. date myself? That's a good question. <laughs> um, but it didn't end up looking correct. So what they did instead was they had Meryl Streep's dresser stand behind her and use her hands to just push up her boobs in that scene. Someone's like, oh, no. 
I will take one for the team. <laughs> the hardship. <laughs> That's quite a scene, by the way. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> So also animatronic puppets of Meryl Streep's head were created and used to shoot this scene where she's res- where um, sort of a resurrected Madeline confronts Ernest. But the effect didn't look right again. So ultimately, they used CGI instead, sort of a combination. What they did was they filmed her walking backwards wearing a blue hood on her head and then separately filmed her head while she was wearing a blue bodysuit. And then they combined it with CGI mm. in the end. I saw this interview Mm -hmm. where Meryl Streep was talking about the day that she had to walk around with the blue hood on her head all day. And that that also happened to be the day that her mother visited the set. Who who did not understand why her super famous daughter was walking around without her face being shown. (laughs) Okay. And then also the mansion where Isabella Rossellini's uh, character lived is just a tiny scale miniature. So the outside of that mansion that's so beautiful is just a scale miniature. And with Bruce Willis and Meryl Streep, when you see them aged by what was it, 17 years or something like that, or seven years, I can't remember. That was all done with just practical makeup. And then Goldie Hawn's fat suit, which I'm sure we'll talk about, was also done totally practically as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, hooray. yay practical effects (laughs) so because of all of these techniques the film won the oscar for best visual effects defeating batman returns and aliens 3 so meryl streep says that she's weirdly okay with that yeah right like if it's gonna be out one of the alien movies it's gonna be that one yeah we'd be having a conversation with the two of the previous ones (laughs) y'all remember that dog xenomorph right (laughs) (laughs) so Meryl Streep really loved how the film turned out but she has said that she will never do a CGI heavy film again because it was so monotonous and she likened it to being at the dentist Yikes. All right. So just (laughs) just a few fun facts. Kevin Klein was originally top pick for the role, but then he heard that Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn were receiving higher pay for their shared lead roles. They made four million dollars each. So he decided to walk away from the film. Finally, some justice for rich white men. <laughs> Finally, I'm so sick of the, the downtrodden white, white rich men. Uh, the under-earning Way to champion actors. your people, Clyde. <laughs> Put them on the mountain for Rushmore of Meninists. <laughs> Give me a break. I right. mean, Fish Called Wanda was good, but calm the fuck down. Uh-huh. <laughs> so while the movie was still in production, Bruce Willis actually suggested renaming the movie. His ideas were It's Death, Baby, or uh. My Man Death. <laughs> Luckily, producers <laughs> thought that neither of these names would work because the movie is about aging and death from a feminine perspective. And also so they because did- they heard them? <laughs> Also because Bruce yes. Willis had finger guns when he was like pitching these <laughs> names. Right. Jesus. 
he was sitting on a bench in so front of terrible. Ariel's part, uh, apartment with his dick out. Yeah, with like <laughs> while Ray, pitching with Ray Bans and a saxophone <laughs> next to him. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that just reminded me. I'm listening to this podcast right now called Haleywood. Have you guys listened to that one? Mm-mm. No. It's all about when Bruce Willis, back in the early 90s and stuff, essentially started buying up all this property in this tiny town to sort of create his own village. (laughs) It's fascinating. It is fascinating. (laughs) But yeah, he's got an ego. (laughs) You think? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So during the scene where the two main characters are fighting with shovels, Apparently they were actually using real shovels because Meryl Streep accidentally cut Goldie Hawn's face and left her with a little <gasps> scar. Oh no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so scary! I know. I always assumed with stuff like that they were using prop versions that you couldn't, you know, that they added the metal sounds later or something, but maybe not. It's know. a real shovel, baby! Another alternate title. <laughs> Perfect. No? Nailed no? it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Hollywood, call me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the original cut of the film, Bruce Willis's character actually falls for a bartender played by Tracy Ullman, who helps him fake his own death and then run off to Europe to escape everyone. But apparently test audiences didn't think that ending was dark enough. So Zemeckis cut out that subplot entirely and shot a new darker ending. But apparently if you watch the trailer, you can still see Tracy Ullman. For some reason, they didn't cut her out of the trailer. So I hate that. I honestly hate that. Yeah. I Okay, new rule. I'm I hope someone's writing these down, okay? No ambiguous endings. Yes. Movies should not exceed 70 minutes. <laughs> and now <laughs> if it's in the trailer, it needs to be in the movie. If it's not going to be in the movie, it can't be in the trailer Agreed. because it is a bait and switch. It has happened to me multiple times where I've mm-hmm. gone to a movie thinking, "I want to see the context for this cool thing I saw in a trailer." And then it's the not there. Of, Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Rogue Star Wars Rogue One. Screw you, buddy. <laughs> Screw you. Everything I liked about that trailer was not in the movie, and everything in the movie I did not like. That's not true. There were things I liked in it, but I was disappointed the whole time. Like that, I rebel. Not in the movie. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm still so angry about that one. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's Tracy Ullman. How do you cut a whole Tracy Ullman? Right. Yeah. Agreed. Don't tease me with Tracy. If you're going to cut her, don't tease me with her. Mm -hmm. Don't make Ullman-related promises to me that you don't intend to. (laughs) So it got pretty mixed reviews when it came out. Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. Mm -hmm. But it did reach number one at the box office, and it beat out the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, which was released that same weekend. Um, It barely recouped its $55 million budget from its domestic takings and earned just shy of $150 million worldwide. So since its release, though, it has gone on to be a bit of a cult classic, especially for the queer community. It's often played at bars during Pride and drag performers dress up as Madeline and Helen. Of course. And in fact, fact, Rachel and Matilda will probably know this, but a couple of challenges on RuPaul's Drag Race have been based on the film. Yep. All right, I that's mean, it's I a classic. It is it is a yeah. camp freaking yes. classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So Matilda, what did you think of Death Becomes Hair, aka It's Death Baby? <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to do sorry, sorry, but do you want me to do the synopsis before we get into Yes, thank you. That was fine. 
Matilda, can you give us the synopsis for Death Becomes Her? Sure. It's Death Baby. <laughs> it's Death Baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this movie is from 1992, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, like Ariel was talking about. Plain, uptight Helen Sharp loses yet another man to her longtime frenemy, fading celebrity and musical theater embarrassment, Mar- Madeline Ashton. Obsessed with winning Ernest back and with punishing Madeline, Helen returns to their lives physically transformed and attempts to exact her revenge. Both women have been offered eternal youth and beauty by a supernatural temptress, Isabella Rossellini, Mm -hmm. and both accept, but immortality has its price. That it does. <laughs> All right, Tilly, what did you think of this movie? So this, interestingly, was a first watch for me. I don't think really? I ever... Really? Yeah, I never saw it oh, the first crazy. time around. I think it was just a year that I wasn't going to the movies very much. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, like, had other stuff going on. Um, sure. But I do... Like, what Rachel was saying, this is a camp classic. And you can't, like, put Meryl Streep in something where she has this much room and not enjoy her. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And although Goldie Hawn has never been like somebody I totally connected to, I think she's great in this. Um, honestly, what I really love are the special effects and the datedness of this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. This movie yeah. is so of its time. Oh, it's um, such a time oh, yeah. capsule. Yeah. And we'll get into this when we get into critiques a little bit more. But there's some of the body horror in this that I wish was a little bit more that I really enjoyed. You wish it was a little more gruesome or you wish that it had been done better? No, I wish it was a little more gruesome and that we uh-huh. could have lingered there a little bit. Like yeah. with the spray paint and the skin and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 this is not a first watch for me. I definitely <laughs> saw this when it first came out, but I haven't seen it in decades. Uh-huh. And so I was kind of like, I had fond memories of it and then it started and I got a little bit worse <laughs> oh really What's interesting only like when we saw the fat suit okay uh, yeah essentially fair, fair. what's so interesting though is that her body type which is such a like a oh cautionary tale in this mm-hmm. movie is like goals now <laughs> like her, she is not she is thick with two c's <laughs> and i was like that ass is kind of great actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. It is so camp. It is so silly. It is so absurd. It's also like very visually tasty. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that this has become a beloved sort of film of queer in queer culture yeah. and drag queens in particular because it really does have that intersection of camp and glamour. Um, yeah, because there's so many like great ball gowns and sort of over the top outfits. Like when Goldie Hawn is breaking in. Yeah, and she's got her little sort of high class burglar outfit. Oh yeah, (laughs) so it's incredible. It's it is it is a camp fantasy, and then Isabella Rossellini is so great in this, and and her costuming with that necklace. Oh, I know Mm -hmm. the no shirt, but just the giant statement necklace. It's so great. Like I would (sighs) the the degree to which her character loves her body. You. Bitch, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's probably not the most feminist thing to say, but I enjoy their feud immensely. Like, well, because there's so much fun to watch. Yeah. 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 There's like a joy and a lack of, like, it's not, I don't know. I guess there is something cynical about women competing, especially over the dubious prize of 
Bruce Willis's character in this. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. But, but there's it because of the high camp factor, it, it harkens back to like uh like you know, when you think about like divas of the of old Hollywood. You know mm-hmm. what yeah, I mean? When sure. you think of like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, like it has that sort of DNA like weaved into it in a way that is so great. Plus I just feel like you can feel like a sense of fun between Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. Yeah, like they seem to be aware of the camp in this. Oh, very much so. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why this movie is so much fun to watch is because it's like a masterclass in campy acting and everybody is kind of at that same level. Mm -hmm. You know how sometimes you'll watch a movie and there'll be like one character that's doing camp, but nobody else seems to be aware of it. This movie, everybody is sort of on that same level you know the same kind of style of acting and it works so well and the two of them are the best at it you know yeah although i will say this is my favorite phase of bruce willis like comedy like spastic Uh weirdo yeah like Like, blind day moonlight era bruce willis is my favorite so i actually think kevin klein would have been great in this because he definitely has that same kind of energy but this is kind of a perfect role for this period of bruce willis mm-hmm. he, he i think he's quite fun even though not worth fighting over well no. and i mean they're stretch. not even really fighting over him no they're really not like he is so and that's one of the reasons maybe it still works for me is because it becomes so clear that what they're really fighting about is a tension that's between them and he is just sort of a byproduct yeah, he's of that. Yeah, pawn yeah. yeah 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 it has yeah, nothing maybe, to do maybe, with yeah. how great he is because <laughs> he i is will not. see Watching this at uh, at my current age, when I'll, I'm be, you know facing, I'm being ravaged by time. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> was a different experience than watching it at like twelve. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I know like, what you mean because I I absolutely love this movie. I've seen it a ton of times because uh, my friend Kate and I used to rent this, and people under the stairs ad nauseum. We rented it over mm, and over and over again. Oh wow! So I've probably seen this movie a dozen times. Uh, maybe not for at least a decade, but so it's definitely different. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I really understood Mm -mm. the age stuff at all when I was, yeah, 10 years old and watching this. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think this does a pretty good job. It's a little, I mean, I was thinking about the critiques that Matilda, you talked about how sometimes these movies that are like the horror is based in vanity is very Mm -hmm. unkind. And I think, yeah. That's probably true in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> However, I also did kind of appreciate the sort of I, I don't know, it's the 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 anxiety of aging and the grotesquerie that people are willing to go to in order to avoid it. I think was pretty prescient and yeah. certainly something that I can connect with mm-hmm. in 2022. Um right, cuz yeah. they're going to all these extreme over the top lengths to, you know, keep up with that unfair beauty standard but we're all doing some of that right you know it's just that it's so overblown and campy here right and even the like spa owner comes in and tells Meryl Streep like I understand you have a very serious situation here yeah (laughs) which is such a funny thing I was saying to Rachel like it's so funny to see Meryl Streep in this because she is absolutely ageless like she has looked exactly like like a hot 40 year old woman at 30 mm-hmm. at 50 at 60 i assume when she was nine years old she looked like a hot 40 year old right. Like, right. <laughs> so it's i think that also like takes some of the sting out of it because she is so clearly beautiful and not in an emergency at least to me right mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know if I mean, we're suppo- we as the audience are supposed to understand that she's like a hideous creature 
I mean, it's a I tough sell. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I believe the head on backwards more than I believe that she yeah, right. like an old hag. Yeah, <laughs> when I added just like a couple wrinkles to mm-hmm. her face, she has, a, she has a slight circle under her eye. She's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know i enjoyed this robert zemeckis of it all like i kind of love this super heightened uh slapsticky world that takes place and like it feels very soapy it feels very soap dish or you know uh, it, yeah it is it has a very particular vibe to it yeah that i don't know exists in film anymore and I, maybe that's what you mean by it's a product of its time in terms of even tonally yeah yeah i can't like think of another still, movie right now like it has it feels like um so i married an axe murderer mm, at yeah point, yeah uh-huh which is a sweet spot in film as far as i'm concerned Agreed. <laughs> like yeah. you don't expect there to be a fight on the top of a castle <laughs> at the end of this movie but when it happens you're like of course this is where this ended right. up of it was never going anywhere else. <laughs> but like you said, like a, a, a Fabio cameo and a castle rooftop fight. Oh God. Can <laughs> we talk about those butler outfits? Oh <laughs> my I God. I was screaming was with joy about how bad <laughs> <laughs> it was. And like, I love that they were named Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, I missed that. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like at I, first in the when the first time you're in the castle they're there and then the second time you're in the castle it's actually fabio amazing That's so, so cool good. <laughs> of course it is i loved all the like celebrity cameos in this too i thought that was a lot of fun that was like, fun oh yeah like all you know greta garbo hanging out with marilyn monroe yeah and andy mm-hmm. warhol <laughs> yes i don't know i i there's a very, very dark version of this story uh, by Clive Barker called Cold Heart Canyon, which has way more double penetration than this movie. Uh, but okay, <laughs> but it's like kind of like a in the Hollywood Hills, people froze, frozen in time. Okay, kind of uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. that's pretty. It's pretty great. But um, like I said, not <laughs> right, and you can really see this DNA in like a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. I think there yes. is something that's very like of its time, which is this kind of like late eighties, early nineties callback to forties. Mm-hmm. Yes, cinema. that's a great I mean, way it is, to put it. It is essentially like a, yeah, eighties does forties. Yeah, even though it's supposed to be set in the seventies, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. there is no seventies aside from the text that is on screen <laughs> to be found in this. No, film. it, it looks is nothing like the seventies at all. It is all like it is all mommy dearest all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so you said you had some criticism for this. Uh, what were some things that maybe did not work for you, Matilda? Um, I think, you know, the politics of this could be better, right? Like, I feel no. like there's a missed opportunity <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> here because I feel like the um, this is a movie about kind of the horrors of the, gr- like, the gruesomeness that people go through around, like, stopping stopping the clock, Right. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like the first 20 minutes of this movie make it very clear that actually what is most valuable about women is their appearance. Yeah. And then spends the rest of the movie punishing them. Yeah. For buying into that. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially the way that the movie ends, because although I think the ending is pretty funny mm-hmm. and cackling in the back and, of the uh, funeral yes it's so funny and the way they're like split into multiple pieces and asked you know where we're parked yes like it's just it's so funny and there's something really charming about it but if you're trying to make a satirical 
critique of, you know, women who attempt to adhere to that unrealistic beauty standard, but then in the end, they're the ones punished for it. It does kind of undercut that message and ends up being more like, look at these crazy women and the crazy things they did to stay pretty, you know, right. Look Whereas how vapid and vain they are. And Bruce Willis is just this like poor guy who of course yes. is powerless to resist Goldie Hawn when she comes back because she's so thin and youthful looking <laughs> and she keeps saying sexual and sensual in his face and that means he is of course powerless right but he and must immediately murder his wife yes he's yeah. like the poor victim in this right and yeah. and i feel like there's something in this dynamic then about like how little he calls madeline it at a certain point right like there's something mm -hmm. in that dynamic that allows for a kind of uncomfortable license to throw her down the stairs to hit her in the head with a shovel to um do all those things because she's not a person she's just like a monstrous vanity creature mm -hmm. right yeah right and i feel like that is unfortunate because i think it misses the um the opportunity to turn the lens on like the spa owner well and even right. bruce willis who starts the movie out as a plastic surgeon yeah yeah you know there's there's no critique of society or these, like you were saying, these sort of beauty institutions. It's all a critique of the women and their behavior. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And even yeah. he is like kind of diminished by his marriage to Madeline, right? Right. Because um, afterwards, when they're doing the eulogy, he's obviously gone on to have children and grandchildren and philanthropy yes. or whatever. It's like all these amazing things he's done with his life mm -hmm. after he left them. Right. And I feel like there was so much cool stuff about like him spray painting <laughs> i love that her scene. and like the yeah. way that she could be slowly crumbling underneath with this facade i feel mm -hmm. like there was um there was a way that it would have been pretty easy to turn the camera like to turn the lens on to think to thinking about that sure and um, that sure. would be less mean <laughs> yeah so, so that's my critique but i also is that i think it's like a missed opportunity but i also think it's so of its time it's almost like this time capsule of how hollywood's ideas about women in this era function yeah. Yeah. And it's just so much fun uh -huh. that it's hard for me to care that much. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think know that's that sounds fair. totally fair. No, I think that's... Generally, we care about yeah. this stuff. But one, I have such good nostalgic feelings for this film. But two, it's like I have seen this so many times. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet I still found myself laughing and feeling joy at watching this ridiculous movie oh totally know? this is a movie that is almost that is like uh the most misogynist song you've ever heard that is still like a real ass shaker yeah. you know what i mean like it's still yeah, yeah. That's the windows to, to the walls yeah. i got you <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. i i agree with everything you're saying like it is problematic in all of the ways that you would expect it to be it does not rise above those kind of expectations and yes. yeah yeah <laughs> uh -huh. it feels like it feels kind of you know there are some things where you're like this film is doing harm or this, right. this is reinforcing something in a way that i feel uncomfortable about its impact this thing is so damn fluffy that i can't even really be mad at it for where it misses I think it's fair to have those criticisms, but like you, I found myself being like, 
Yeah, but <laughs> Meryl Streep exactly. and Goldie Hawn. I know. <laughs> yeah. They're just so glorious. They're so much fun to watch. They just like yeah. radiate on screen. Yeah. I think there's a counter argument that is not textual, that uh-huh. is about like how the movie, while talking about like shitty stuff around vanity and doing it in a way that is not super, mm-hmm. um, not with the message that we would like to have. Right, just solidifies read. it kind of. Yeah. Yes. At the same time, the counter narrative is the existence of Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. way that they carry this film and are desirable and beautiful and fabulous and interesting and stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is kind of this unintentional outcome of of highlighting these sort of like, by Hollywood standards, middle-aged women. Right, because I think they that... were both in their 40s when this was filmed. So, so yeah. geriatric. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and yet, here they are, beautiful, fascinating, uh, aspirational in some degree, like in terms mm-hmm. of the, glam- the level of glamour, um, comedic chops, like all of those things, like, is a, a weird counter message. Yeah, I, don't I totally agree. I totally to me, agree. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think the stuff about body size is pretty bad. But it's, uh, bad. it's bad. It's bad. Of one hundred percent bad. There's no. There's no. There's, there's no getting around that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It is bad. not good. <laughs> it, I mean, it is also like fairly accurate to the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But like, uh, it, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where it's like you can recognize it's not good. You know, and that it shouldn't have been done, and still enjoy the movie. Like we can critique, we can critique things we love. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that there's like this idea that you can't, like people think if you say something is problematic or you're critical about it, it means you don't like it or you can't yes, like it. Exactly. That's, that's not true. No, not true at you all. Can, yeah, you can no. talk. Like I, there are plenty of problematic things out there that I can both hold, like that this is a, this is a not okay representation, or this is, and still like have a nostalgic appreciation mm-hmm. for it. Yep. Totally. Okay. Sorry, you were going to say. Oh, I was just going to say the other thing that I think actually does hold up well is the special effects. And I don't mean that yeah. as in they totally look, you know, as good as they would look if they were made today. Clearly, they, they do not. But I think because they're done in such a cartoony, slapstick, mm-hmm. silly kind of way, they still work super well considering right. they were done in 92 oh yeah it's the rare incidents that they have like we talk about how sometimes practical effects don't hold up but they still have a charm yes and cgi is cold and does not yeah this is the rare example this is the exception to the rule right mm-hmm. exactly because it still and has I, that i think charm. the cartoony thing is what what you get out with the cartoony thing is that place that creates the warmth and the charm yeah Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there was something about like the uncanny valley of those effects, like Meryl Streep with her head <laughs> yeah. on backwards and things like that, or like shoved down, like hit on the head and shoved down into her thing, that like or Goldie Hawn with the hole through her, that mm-hmm. there there's something in that that I feel like could have been played with a little bit about like the uncanny valley of Hollywood beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. The sure. problem is, is what was considered uncanny valley back then is Oof. just oh yeah the valley yeah oh, <laughs> yes so right Damn. like when you go back and watch um, Escape from L A and there's the whole like grotesque plastic <gasps> surgeon right. thing yes. you just look at it and you're like yeah no those are just real house yeah that's, <laughs> just, <laughs> that's just what it is now yeah. Just, yeah yeah okay so who would you would you recommend this film yes or nay yay yes, or nay absolutely of course hundred yeah. percent to everybody. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. It's kind of like a Beetlejuice for the ladies. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So the next film that I selected, and I'm very curious what you think about this, is The Witches of Eastwick from 1987, directed by George Miller. Yes, that George Miller of Mad Max fame. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) It is. When that came, I didn't realize that. I didn't either. (laughs) This is a movie that I have not seen in 20 plus years. And Mm -hmm. uh, so when I came, what came up and it said George Miller, I was like, Old must go to IMDb. Yes, right. Mad Max, George Miller, Mad Max, and all of the Happy Feet, George Miller. What? <laughs> his his career is actually fascinating. The stuff that he's done is like it is the most eclectic mix of films. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um. Okay. So this was released in theaters in 1987, and like Death Becomes Her, there is a lot of lore and background about this movie. So I like Ariel kind of tried to focus on the things that I thought were most interesting, but truly like we could do a whole episode that is just about the making of this movie. It is nuts. Um, Okay. So it was directed by George Miller. Uh, The score was done by John Williams. Again. Yes. That John Mm -hmm. Williams of star Wars Raiders and ET fame. Oh, that's so interesting. I did not realize that. Weird. It has a runtime of an hour and 58 minutes, which is (laughs) too long. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it had a budget of $22 million, and at the box office, it earned $63.8 million, and it was nominated for two Academy Awards. Really? For sound and music in okay. 1988. Uh-huh. Okay, gotcha. It, it did win the BAFTA for Best Special Effects in 1988, though. Okay, I can see that. Um, so this was filmed mainly in Cohasset, I'm sure I'm saying that right, Massachusetts and surrounding towns, and um, it follows... Many of the the major story beats from the novel on which it's based, which same title by John Updike, but this version is much more lighthearted in its tone compared to the much darker delivery in mm. the book. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I can't imagine John Updike writing this movie. You know? It's, yeah. Okay. It's so here's light. some some details about how it differs. Okay. <laughs> in the novel, which is set in the 1970s, Van Horn is somehow even more skeevy. Uh, than he is in the book or in the movie even though he does not end up impregnating the women uh, which we'll I'm sure talk about he does however (laughs) randomly marry a young woman named Ginny who becomes the target of revenge for the witches uh, who is given cancer and killed off by them oh shit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lots of penis worship in both the film and the movie but okay uh in the end van horn flees with jenny's younger brother who it is implied has become his new lover and several different versions of the film's ending were shot after the original bombed the test audience (laughs) yeah so director george miller revealed in an early 1990s interview that his naivete around how hollywood productions were made turned him against uh or made was turned against him by studio executives this was definitely a mm, fraught production. Okay. Let's just say. Yes. He recalled how in order to save the film's budget, they would send him half as many extras as he requested and wouldn't provide enough equipment and so on. So he retaliated by refusing to continue filming until his requests <laughs> were filled. <laughs> the studio made moves to replace him. Surprise, surprise. But Jack Nicholson stepped in and sided with the director, causing the execs to back down. That was just the beginning of a lot of fighting on the set. Um, I will say, though, that Jack Nicholson was actually not the first person cast to play Daryl Van Horn. Can you guess who dropped out? No. Mm -mm. 
one William Murray. Really? Bill Murray was originally, oh. which would have been a very different vibe. That would have been such him, a different movie. Yeah. Rolling around on the bed talking about being a horny devil. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to see <laughs> that. I do too. <laughs> so Angelica Houston, Nicholson's girlfriend at the time, auditioned for the role of Alexandra. Okay. But it went to Susan Sarandon. I know what you're thinking. Alexandra wasn't Susan Sarandon. Well, that's because Cher was offered the role of Jane, but liked Alexandra more. So she was ultimately given the role she wanted. Damn. Bad news for Sarandon, who was not informed of the change until she arrived on set. Oh, my God. That's so brutal. Wasn't Susan Sarandon a pretty big star by 87? Yes. So in an interview from 2020, uh, Sarandon said that despite Cher stealing her role as Alexandra, thanks to a past liaison with producer John Peters, they and Pfeiffer actually got along great. Uh, They would gather for lunch daily uh, with Nicholson in his tent. And according to Sarandon, the three women would bond, uh, had to bond to, quote, survive the shoot. Which saw producer John Peters throwing chairs in fits of rage and Miller, the director, who quit white <laughs> damn <laughs> how do you get anything done in that situation that is so crazy also i feel like their chemistry on screen makes a lot more sense now. yeah it's really good yeah so nicholson and miller did not actually want share in the film okay <laughs> so in a story accounted uh by share on stage she let like she kind of it was she talked about something that happened uh on her 40th birthday <laughs> in 1986 okay in the morning my telephone rang and the man said hi share it's george miller and i said hey george so he said i just wanted to call and tell you that i don't want you in my movie jack nicholson <laughs> and i think you're too old and you're not sexy good morning 40 oh my god tears started streaming down my old face I was heartbroken. I wanted this movie so badly usually in hollywood if you insult somebody you hang up she said miller kept at it though he didn't want to hang up. He just wanted to tell me everything. I hate the way you walk. I hate the way you talk. I hate the color of your hair. I don't like your eyes. Cher nice. hit back before hanging up on Miller. So finally I was like, okay, look, motherfucker. Yeah, I said the whole thing. I said, you don't, you didn't find me under a rock. I was nominated for an Academy Award for Silkwood. I got the Cannes Film Festival Award for Best Actress for Mass. So goodbye. Yeah. Get him, Cher. Get him. <laughs> She's right. Also, she looks spectacular in this movie. Oh, so spe- he can like, go fuck himself. I did not know that that uh, sweats and cowboy boots bo- boots were a look, yeah. but now I do. Yes, but now, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like rolled up sweats to giving her a fat ass camel toe. I'm like, yes, bitch, work. <laughs> Even those ridiculous pigtails looked great on her. Love it. Oh, yeah. everything about it. Crop shirt under the overalls. Yes. Queen shit. Queen. Okay. So in 1986, in a 1986 TV interview, Cher said it was intimidating to work with Nicholson at first because he was her quote idol. In the same interview, Sarandon describes how the majority of her seduction scene with Nicholson was shot with each actor performing their part at different times, which made difficult to convey the convincing connection with each other. (laughs) Like not being in the same room. <laughs> yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all three of the actors agreed while making the film. They had no idea how it was going to turn out because it was so random. 
Uh, the Linux Mansion was actually two other properties, the Crane Estate in Castlehood, Ipswich, uh, Massachusetts, which served as the exterior. And the interior is the lobby of the appropriately named Wang Center in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's just some random trivia. In the same interview that I just quoted a minute ago, the three would sit down together in their makeup trailer and dreamcast the TV series or musical spinoff of the film. Cher said she envisioned herself being played by Linda Carter and that they all thought that the perfect person to play Daryl was Eric Estrada from Chips. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Real twist on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually a TV series from 1999 based on the film Eastwick, which ran for 13 episodes between 2009 and 2010. It starred Jamie Ray Newman, Lindsay Price, and Rebecca Romaine mm. as new characters Kat, Joanna, and Roxy. It was canceled after season one. It was also adapted, well, the novel was, uh, into a, an award-winning West End play that premiered in 2000. In the film, a life-size puppet version of Veronica Cartwright, which whoa <laughs> we'll yeah. have to talk about her <laughs> was built uh for the film so it could animate while swiveling in various directions spraying huge amounts of fake vomit from its mouth <laughs> <laughs> it can briefly be seen near the end of the scene where she meets her fate test audiences apparently thought it was t the animatronic was way too creepy so all almost all the footage has been edited out of the film much to my personal chagrin oh yeah too. i want to see that seen it. <laughs> i want to go to that chuck e cheese also Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Splash zone is they really mean be careful with the splash zone. <laughs> okay. At last fun fact. The film's producer John Peters, who oh, two fun facts, because apparently the scene where Cher had to like get into the bed with all the snakes. Mm -hmm. you, uh those are real snakes. Oh. And she asked, which of these snakes is John Peters? So oh. <laughs> no love lost there. <laughs> but okay, so Film producer John Peters became obsessed at one point with the idea of aliens appearing. Oh, what? What? He went so far as to bring a stunt performer dressed as an alien to the set and pleaded what is happening? for George Miller to include him in any scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what I got for that the background of this movie. And truly, I could have gone on and on and on. <laughs> That is crazy, but I feel like with this context, the movie kind of makes more sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That there was this much nonsense happening in the background. It is a wild a ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's my background. So the, wow. What is this insane movie about? <laughs> so this movie uh, is about three single and somewhat repressed best friends. Alex, a sculptress played by Cher. Jane, who's a classical cellist, played by Susan Sarandon, and Suki, a journalist played by Michelle Pfeiffer. And they're feeling the confines of their stuffy New England town of Eastwick. Ooh, yeah. Drinking together one night, they fantasize about an ideal man to liven things up. Shortly after, the mysterious Daryl Van Horn moves into the town's historic mansion with his butler, Fidel. Lurch. Old big dick Fidel. <laughs> Despite being crude, insulting, and according to Alex, a little smelly, Daryl manages to break through the friend's defenses and seduce each and all of them. Through their time with Daryl, the friends blossom emotionally and sexually, much to the horror of the town. Though as more mysterious doings begin to occur, the friends begin to wonder about Daryl's mesmerizing hold on them and seek to regain their power. 
This movie has such a like large cultural footprint. Like I, everybody knows what this movie mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. and I I thought I remembered it, but this movie is way hornier. It is so horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised upon revisit. Just like I I remembered that it definitely was the first time I ever had seen anything about group sex, and I wasn't totally sure I understood what uh-huh. I was seeing. But I was like, kind of like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? And it blew my mind. But <laughs> I did not remember that this whole thing is kind of like. That. Oh, that's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well there you go. So, all right. I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. Like I watched okay. it as a little kid on TV. The shit with my we mom. watched as kids. The shit we watched as kids. I know, but I don't think I really understood all of it. I think I was probably maybe eight years old at the time mm, because okay. all I really remember was that balloon scene where the kids are running through the balloons, and that takes approximately <laughs> thirty seconds in the entire runtime. Um, <laughs> so clearly, a lot went over my head, um, but. Then I randomly watched it a couple months ago, just out of the blue. Yeah. And was like. Maybe that's how this started is you watched it and I was like, Mm -hmm. you should do that. Yeah. So (laughs) and I watched it in every scene. I was just like, what is happening? How did I watch this as a little kid? This movie is crazy. But I have to say, as weird as it is, it's very entertaining. I watched it a second time the day before yesterday, and I was still entertained, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I still had fun watching it, even though I had just seen it a couple months ago. Nice. Mm What did you think, Matilda? Yeah, I mean, this one always had a special place in my heart. So I was 13 when this came Mm -hmm. out. So this was just like, this has a special place in my heart because it was like, hedonistic goals and my memory of it of this movie does not include jack nicholson oh (laughs) interestingly but it has this kind of like feminist sex positive debauchery element to it that i was super interested in as a teenager um you know not anymore um Uh, (laughs) the lies the lies lies. (laughs) and really like any 80s movie like this one where you are upsetting to uptight townspeople you're upsetting to old rich white people you're upsetting to the traditions of a particular place like it's always a good time for me yeah Mm -hmm. the hair in this movie is so when i saw her in the grocery store i was like well matilda just left this ethereal (laughs) (laughs) right i I love that scene so much the story of susan sarandon's sexual awakening through her hair from the like french braid to the hair that fills a grocery store aisle She's like, um, if Magenta and Carol Kane had a baby. Yes. <laughs> like, a good like, one. <laughs> yeah. Matilda's losing her yeah, mind right now. That's exactly the scene. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I love how yeah. she's just walking through, just eating this pickle, and all these women are just so scandalized yes. by her. Oh, so good. I would have been so drawn. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, this, it. and it is like Magenta. It is kind of like, that was a, that was a kind of archetype of... <laughs> Mm-hmm. movie character i was very interested in and was Holy. very formative for me um <laughs> in my uptight white town um yeah uh-huh. exactly <laughs> you're like i don't need to watch this movie i lived it <laughs> yeah um i also love the, this is a little spoiler i love the scene where they torture him from afar 
Yes. Yes. Oh, it's such a great. good scene. It's such it's, a good scene. Although I was like watching it now, I was just like, if they were eating all those cherry pits, wouldn't he just have like fruitaria? I know that's not cinematic, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of cherries. He had frontal fruitaria. That's a lot of cherries. <laughs> ever look at cherries the same way again? Yeah. Ugh. It was so funny. We we had we were settling in to watch, like we'd watched it in two parts. And so we watched the first half and then we watched the second half and my partner settled in with like a little snack. Oh no. <laughs> the next scene. And I was like, timing of this is not great, but I can't spoil it. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and those scenes with the cherry pits are so good. They're so good. Honestly, all of the Veronica Cartwright stuff, mm-hmm. I think is ace. She goes places in this movie. Like you think that, Oh, peak camp is going to be, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson as the devil. Like, what yeah. could be, what could be more heightened than that? Oh, exhibit A, yeah. Veronica Cartwright <laughs> with her like that, her final sort of monologue before she explodes in cherry vomit. Like, <laughs> is I, it's wild. Like, she's actually kind of incredible and goes some like really unselfconscious. Yeah. Places. And I I loved it. Like she is the ultimate embodiment of the like. But but what about the children? Mm-hmm. Oh, and the- yeah, that scene where she's just screaming in the middle of church about the women. Oh, it's so good. Oh yeah, she's so okay. over the top. And it's 1987, right? So I assume this is yeah. like full moral majority stuff yes. that we're playing mm-hmm. with. That I really and yes. kind of like um like New England like historical society stuff. Like she's upset about what Correct. he's doing to the house. Mm-hmm. You can't just live there, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, exactly. I feel like this is strangely like an excellent companion piece to Stepford Wives. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. But it's like what happens when women get sexually empowered mm-hmm. versus what happens when men yeah. find themselves sexually yeah. empowered. Yeah. Fuck robots. <laughs> like that. And, and partially it's like that sort of, you know, Eastern utopian white upper middle class to wealthy kind of vibe like i i don't know they're they both feel like critiques of a very particular type of american culture Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i i really enjoyed this much more than i probably should i i think it's weirdly i'm pretty into it like sexually Uh (laughs) (laughs) but i think it has very little to do with jack nicholson so much as it does like you know the lady you're not into Uh, his tiny ribboned ponytail no, none no. of this is working for me. Um, Why is he so unappealing in this movie, though? What's the point of that? I mean, I don't know that everyone would feel that I don't way. think we're supposed to feel that way. But yeah, he strikes me as like that guy, Mystery, the pickup artist, I think has watched this he, movie He's a lot. negging them into bed, <laughs> yes. essentially. Yeah. Yes. He negs them but into also, bed. I mean, even the very first scene we're introduced to him, he's like grotesquely snoring in the middle of a concert. Like, why is that supposed to be... Appealing. I mean, I think it's meant to a be nagging that he's sleeping through her performance, yeah. but also like I think there's something that is so uptight about that town oh, that when so he is like breaking the con, yeah, he's yeah. breaking the social contract. Like that's true. Very, yeah, he's just an id. Like, yeah, but yeah. all of his clothes and his weird hair, oh, awful. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Like I think that's part <laughs> of it. What I l- kind of love is the takedown of the like dude that uses feminist language or like yes. the identity of feminism. To I wish use. I was and a then- woman. All that shit, how it gets so exposed later that, like, underneath that is just seething misogyny yeah. yep. when he's doing his diatribe during the church. Mm-hmm. I think it's 
pretty freaking great. Yeah. Um, I think they're all the women's performances are amazing, especially like I said, Veronica Cartwright. And then also Cher. Yeah, Cher's, Cher's fucking great. great in this. I think she got to do the most. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Her character is not one I'm going to be drawn to because like the power of her fertility is not gonna be something that I'm like, ooh, this is an interesting plot line. Tell me more. Sure. And um and I love Susan Sarandon too, but I think there's an undercurrent of anger that I connected with with Cher. Yeah. 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 What about you, uh, Ariel? What did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I just think this movie is so very, very strange, mm-hmm. but is also extremely entertaining. And I just, I really love that the center of it, even though there's all this like crazy stuff going on and the weird stuff with Jack Nicholson, we have this like core friendship between the three women mm-hmm. that runs throughout that's really satisfying because. You know, in the end, it's the three of them together again. And, you know, we can have some critiques about exactly how all of that happens, I'm sure. But I do enjoy that part. And I love sort of the evolution that everybody goes through. I mean, Susan Sarandon's is the most obvious and probably the most satisfying, um, you know, where she goes from being so mousy to then this sort of sexual awakening where she comes into her own. And it's just great. I love everybody's hair. My question is to you, Rachel, is Susan Sarandon's hair a wig or is that her hair? Uh, it, there's definitely hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a combo deal. It's a not like a full. Deal. It's not a full like lace front situation. I don't even think they had lace fronts then. But there are pieces in that okay. hair. Okay, for <laughs> sure. Also, we're gonna talk about crazy hair. I very 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 much enjoyed the terribleness and the wildness of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> especially when he turned into kaiju jack nicholson oh, in the end great i didn't remember that at all I, yeah i didn't i was either. so delighted by both kaiju and then also melted jack nicholson yeah so melted jack great. nicholson was great i mean that final scene like like matilda was talking about it's so drawn out where they're doing this magical spell and all these things to the kind of wax mm-hmm. voodoo doll jack nicholson and it's so much fun watching him careening around the streets and then you know on the back of his car i'm so sorry my cat will not stop crying (laughs) and then the dog grabs the doll like all of it is kind of slapsticky and fun yeah Yeah. it's so so much fun and so satisfying to watch and even them just sort of like running through the mansion it's just it's so much fun also there are so many silk bathrobes and pajamas in this movie oh Oh, yeah it really made me want yes you know (laughs) like that the scene where they're pretend like they're seducing them the final time and they're all just on the bed and they're various personality (laughs) uh appropriate color sexiness lingerie yeah oh my Mm -hmm. god i was like i honestly the art direction in this movie is yeah yeah beautiful why is there not an academy award for hair though because this there should (laughs) Should one one yeah i mean was that the special effects it was (laughs) 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 awesome all right so we've all said very positive things about this movie i feel like there are some valid criticisms Mm -hmm. and we are just the crew to do it so (laughs) Let's talk about maybe things that didn't work for you, Miss Matilda. Uh, Jack Nicholson. No. Fair. <laughs> that horny little devil? <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, I feel like this is, you know, his true form in a particular way. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the fact that we're not supposed to be like cringing away from the screen has been a confusion that I have had for my entire life. <laughs> oh, wow. Fair. About Jack Nicholson. Fair 
in anything, yeah. honestly, because this is kind oh. of how I see him. And I, so I guess maybe I do have memories of this movie because this is how I see him. Kind of like, right. I assume this is who he is as a person. Kind of film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, pickup artist negging kind of like awful negging them into bed, like mansplain, like, you know what you really need to do is big sculptures kind of. Mm-hmm. thing was awful really and but he was so it's way. so interesting that he's not totally in my memory about what's great about this movie it's just the it's that scene where he's off to the side but the three of them are kind of like all laying all over each other eating grapes oh such a good scene mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of agree with matilda i think he is like remarkably unappealing in this movie but I also think that's part of the fun of it too because mm-hmm. especially in the later scenes where He's like watching the video of them back and forth and he's just sort of grotesque and hasn't showered and uh-huh. his hair is a mess. There's something kind of fun about that part of it. So I think that what's sort of interesting about the movie is that like they think that their power is coming from him, right? For the longest time in this movie and from their relationship to him. But in the end, they're able to work together to defeat him which is, you know, really satisfying. But they only ever really use their magic or their witchcraft in relation to a man, right? So it's like the first scene where they summon him. It's all about talking about a guy. The magic they do in his mansion, it's all sort of around this sexual relationship that they have with him. And then they do it to rid themselves of him, except that they don't totally rid themselves of him. Uh I mean, they're forced to basically carry his male offspring and then he continues to insert himself into their lives in the end i don't know i think it's like the messaging is a little weird does not exactly it. pass the bechdel test right yeah, i'm okay, just saying this movie yes. is the <laughs> ultimate bechdel fail yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i do okay so i feel two ways about that ending yeah. with the kids on one hand they seem very happy to be having the kids. Like it's not True. that interesting of an ending to me, but there is something about the fact that he, they, they're raising these three sons without his, like basically forcing him to have no influence in their life. That's true. And they can, so bring they're raising they the next generation yeah. of boys. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I don't know that that's what the movie was saying, Maybe. but I do think there's from a 2022 perspective, as you're watching it, there is something interesting about that. Like, yeah. That he has a particular worldview that is extremely toxic and dated. And they are three women who have been through this experience with him, excised him, like violently excised them him from their life, and are now raising a new generation of boys. Is there something interesting about that? I think? Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean, that the messaging is just sort of mixed and weird, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see oh, totally. it both ways. And it doesn't feel like the movie totally landed with what it wanted to do like it didn't completely understand what it was trying to say even though the whole movie seems to be trying to say something very loudly i mean mean? to be fair it's like a feminist story told by john updike and george miller right that that it's mixed i think is a is a right i mean it's the same thing with death becomes her it's like that was written by two men and directed by another dude you know yeah 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 and and i think both of them suffer because of that maybe yeah i think it's evident you know but also at the same time there is something there's some there there yeah i totally agree works with both of them and i do think the core friendship and straying from the like nastiness of the source material was the right call yeah yeah they're much less sympathetic in the book apparently and i don't know that i'm that interested 
not that I think a character has to be sympathetic, but I think that, you know, John Updike sort of says one of the reasons he wrote the book was to kind of like address his feminist detractors in his audience. And so oh, like in that case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's correct. And so I think that it, in that, in that respect, I don't necessarily want to read about, I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. Like I like really complex and like villainous women. Yeah. But I want them be to be written in a particular way that is not like steeped in misogyny or like counter feminist narrative. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> There's no enjoyment in that. Then. Well, and that the yeah. ultimate right. villain is the prude. Right. Yes. Well, the ultimate. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's. Yeah, I also. I mean, I kind of that... like. I like that she's the villain, but I also when you when you put it like that, it complicates it for me. A little yeah, bit. like like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know I wasn't thinking about it like that. I was thinking about her more in the in the kind of like conservative, PMRC kind of. Way, well, I do but... think there you nailed it with that whole like moral majority, like as reigning reigning cultural champion at the time, mm-hmm. and then and she is the absolute embodiment of like the explicit lyrics logo on us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. God damn, Miss Veronica Cartwright, right? fucking great! In oh, I, know. I know she's so good at what. When she, she does. breaks her legs and she's like, "I think I've broken my leg." <laughs> and the bone like, is sticking out Whoa! of her leg. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. What is with all the stairs in these movies? <laughs> all right. Any other things you wanted to say, positive or critical, about Witches of Eastwick? Uh, the only other thing I would say is that I appreciate that they kind of kept their evolution to the end of the movie so that like even after they've defeated him they it's not like Susan Sarandon's character kind of backtracks do you know what I mean like that sort of power and sexuality that she embodied is still there that's the true that final like we scene. don't see them back in like like no. they've not transformed back like they yes. have definitely evolved that's they've a really that power. Good yes point. and I yeah. appreciate that like there's a moment where they're gonna start fighting yes and the ground opens up and and they're all like okay we gotta cut that shit out Yep. Right. Right. Like it's the three of us. Like cut that shit out. So that was great. Hmm. Movie also really made me want to eat ice cream in bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it shares like sitting there with the ice cream, and I was just like, "Yes, bitch, that's my sexual orientation." <laughs> you have it awoken. It is awoken. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So overall, would you recommend Witches of Eastwick, Matilda? Yes. Ariel. Oh yeah. It's a weird, fun time. Watch it. Yeah. Yes. Easy recommendation. I mean, mm-hmm. grown folks only, but easy <laughs> recommendation for adults. I have to say that there was a period of time in like the late 80s, early 90s, where as a kid watching stuff, I was convinced that a big part of sex was giving like hand jobs, but with your foot under tables. <laughs> I feel like that shows up in so many things. Like there's a scene with Chandler and friends. There's this movie. There's that movie. Did you guys ever see... Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Mm-mm. No. It's also in Flashdance. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's in so many. It movies. really is. I really thought that was going to be a big part of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about the first time you tried to whip out that move. Like, was the person like, what is happening? <laughs> You're like, this isn't that part of the, act- the, the ceremony? Oh, my God. Now I'm picturing Ariel in the suit from Flashdance, which is just a men's suit with just the bow tie, yeah. like the Chippendales outfit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Mm. All right. 
So let's move on to our listener feedback. We did actually get a couple of emails this Ooh, time. Hooray. And uh, they're both about Matilda. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, they're not, neither of them are bad. One of them we actually already read on More Deadly. So this may sound familiar to listeners. But since it's about you, Matilda, I'm going to read it okay. again. It's not me. <laughs> oh no! I, I promise. I'm, I'm sorry because I'm sure I'm getting things. I just apologize. I'm happy to issue a correction for whatever it was I said. <laughs> Tilda, <laughs> work on yourself. I don't like, think you've ever said anything on any of the podcasts that needed a correction. No. I have definitely, but I don't like, think you have. Neither of these things are these things. Okay, so this first one comes from Peter. He says. More deadly, Matilda's second guest spot, question mark. Just curious, curious if either of you hear it or if it's just me. But you said if you said that Matilda directed the Midnight Swim, I would have just nodded and said, cool, that's great. Good for her. To my ear, Sarah Adina Smith sounds very similar to Matilda. Tone, quality, articulation, etc. I only get to hear Matilda's lovely voice on ZG once or twice a month. One of the many lovely voices, the four plus one Mars plus one Jody, I really miss mm. Jody. Uh, so maybe I'm way off. Most more deadly is fantastic because oh, it's nice stuff about more deadly. Uh, thanks for the current and continuing education, Peter. Oh, thanks, Peter. Have you? I don't know if you've listened. I haven't to that listened episode. to that one. No. So you're gonna have well, to listen to, to that see. interview. Yeah. So you can see if the voice is the same. <laughs> yeah. Although it's always weird because you're like, wait. Is that you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you, it's yes. hard to know your own voice. It, well, I because mean, you uh, sound so different in your own head, it's mm-hmm. very hard. <laughs> I mean, taking me I'll a tell long you, time to get used to listening to my own voice when we're editing. Yeah, <laughs> a long oh. time. <laughs> I mean, I'm like a decade in and still like. <laughs> I speak, so. <laughs> but I, I mean, I had a great conversation with the director. I thought she yeah. was great. So it was awesome. Yeah, I've been waiting till I can watch that movie till I have time to watch that movie to do it. So I'm super excited. Oh, oh I think you're yeah. gonna like the movie. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah, I do too. All right. So here is a new one. This one comes from our good buddy Doug, who is a frequent oh. writer inner, which I always appreciate. Mm-hmm. A good message. Is Doug. Doug the one who created the idea for our Twitch channels or whatever it was? Yes. Oh, nice. okay. <laughs> Now I'm excited. Okay. So this one is, it says, a slasher film for Matilda. (laughs) Oh. Yep. (laughs) I think I may have found the elusive slasher film to convert Matilda uh, to its more interesting qualities. The 1970s classic, Queens of Evil. Now, I have a trailer, so we'll have you watch the trailer in just a second. But here is the synopsis. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Me neither. So we'll we'll all watch it simultaneously um, and then give our feedback. All right. So here is the synopsis from Doug. A young motorcyclist helps a man with a flat tire who ends up dead after crashing his car. Already very complex plot. The young <laughs> man takes a detour into the forest and stumbles on a lakeside house occupied by sisters oh god is it us <laughs> uh but they're not who they pretend to be okay oh, so okay. this is apparently a slasher although it does, the description does not no it like doesn't slasher so everybody let me know when you've got it le- loaded up and we i've will got watch it. it as okay a coven um maybe that's the right. name of the chat right. <laughs> oh i like it all right you guys ready i'm gonna count three two one play okay so we can kind of have them be similar 
three, two, one, play. All right. Oh. Oh, I guess it's in Italian. 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 Okay. Okay. I think I watched this Ooh, with my that, dad. I'm into this hair. I'm into this yeah. hair. Oh, lots of clothes. Oh, into that hair. hair. Yeah, a lot of good hair in this so far. Oh, tidy whities of the tightest lots variety. <laughs> I'm into this Mugen. madam puppet bathroom. This feels like a reverse on <laughs> Witches of Eastwick here, where yeah. they're all seducing the one. Whoa! Oh whoa! My. <laughs> I don't know what I just saw. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is Doug just like making us watch porn? Is that happening right now? <laughs> Did he just feels trick like us? That's where we're going. You know what, this. Doug? You're gonna have to start Venmoing me <laughs> 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 if you want me to watch these things right you. Oh, <laughs> look at that hair! Look at that unibrow! Okay, we're finally to the motorcycle. Oh. Look at that little romper. <laughs> I I will say this trailer is telling me nothing about the plot of the movie. No, it really isn't. I cannot figure out exactly what's happening here. Well, now, I mean, she's chasing him. Is she the villain? I mean... Oh, is it all the women are going to kill the guy? Is it a slasher if there's only one victim? I don't know. No? Oh my God, the clothes in this. I know the okay. bathroom. If this Such isn't porn, hair. it is... <laughs> If this is not porn, it is like fashion and hair porn for me. Yeah. The thrilling Moderno. <laughs> I speak Italian. It just happened. <laughs> unthrilling. Ew, I don't know that last word. But unthrilling? I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. Were those like intestines or something? Is that advanced meat, Matilda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm into every piece All of clothing dresses. he's touching. Ooh, that one was see-through. I like it. Ooh, owl. Oh. Who's Lots this silver fox? <laughs> okay, here comes a knife, finally. Yeah. Okay, are all these people victims? Is this like then, a, now we're getting into enough people for there to cult? be a slasher body count a long trailer interesting back on the bike is this like the guy who got away or is this the beginning yeah or is this the i don't know i can't i didn't pay attention to the state of his ascot at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta keep track of the ascot man <laughs> <laughs> that's the decoder ring yes. <laughs> the ascot. Right. it's like the hair in uh violation violation yeah <laughs> So my takeaway is I do think this looks interesting and this might be interesting to you, Matilda. I don't know if it's a slasher. Yeah, it's hard to call it a slasher from that trailer alone, but we haven't seen the movie. So maybe that trailer is weird It has, and it is a slasher. Yeah, film. and it has a nice like Italian Stepford Wives meets Manson Girls kind of quality. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh my gosh, you're so yeah. right um, yes, And it's exactly kind it. of vintage Italian cinema, which might be, mm-hmm. you know, put me in mind to like things I've watched with my dad. So I am going to try maybe this. Maybe we need to watch <laughs> it You're going to bring this over next episode. time you hang with yeah, your dad? I'm sure my dad <laughs> has this. I'm going to have to ask my dad about it because this is, although 60s was more his era of Italian cinema. But yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to try this. 
All right. Okay. All right. We await your okay. review. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So that's it for listener feedback for this episode. If you guys want to get in touch with us like Doug, please do drop us an email at Rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcasts, plural. Um, If you're a patron, you can hop on and chat with us on the Discord. And if you're loving the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods, including Spotify. Um, You're already on there to listen to Joe Rogan, I assume. So while you're there, (laughs) JK, while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It would make us feel really, really good. And if you're enjoying the show, you know, we don't do like a ton of marketing. But if you wanted to tell a friend about us, that would not bum us out. Um, and if you're looking for some cool new gear, check out our merch. We've got some awesome shirts. We actually have some new designs coming soon. So check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash forward slash merch. (laughs) (laughs) And if you love us and you want to support us again, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls where all of our episodes are extended, including this one. What we're going to do, I don't know. It's going to be a little bit of a grab bag. Yeah, I was going to say potluck, but grab bag is probably a yeah. better descriptor. <laughs> it's better than junk drawer, right? That's like. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's more quality time with the ZGs you love and also me. So, yeah, you want to do that. Okay. And uh, what else? Streaming pick. I do have one. It's not necessarily a new film, but it's one that I feel like people may have passed on when it first came out because it doesn't look that good. And you're like, oh, but it's actually pretty fun. And that is, it's on Netflix, and it's a little film called Till Death, starring the one and only Megan Fox in her, yes. like, the beginning of her Megan fox songs, which I'm here mm-hmm. for. And the synopsis is, after a romantic evening in their secluded lake house, Emma awakens handcuffed to her dead husband. Whoops. Trapped in an isolate. Trapped and isolated in the dead of winter, she must fight off hired killers to escape her husband's twisted plan. And honestly, it's pretty great. It's great. Pretty fun. <laughs> it's so She's much great. fun. Yeah. I had it on my top 10 list for a lot of last year because I just enjoyed the heck out of it. It's a really good time. Yep. Yep. Um, She's pretty great in it. It's it's a very fun, pretty tense little thriller. And it'll make you, it'll make you a Fox fan, I think. She mm-hmm. gives a very physical performance. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So next episode, we don't. I know we like to announce it, but we don't actually know because Sarah is in charge. So uh, just assume it's probably going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably, probably either sharks attack or corpse fucking. One or the other. We'll let you right. know. Or puppet yep. sex or really good kids movies. That's Or true. really good that kids movies. True. <laughs> uh, that was such a that great such episode. A Frank and Weenie and Nor- yeah. Paranorman. That was a good one. All right. Well, until next time, who would like to take us out? Unless they're sticking around for the extended episode because you're cool and you're part of the Patreon. Just saying bye. (laughs) Was that your outro? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) thanks for listening to another episode of the Zombie Girls podcast. We had such a good time talking about these old campy movies. Uh, We would love to hear from you and know what you guys thought of these. So drop us a line and we'll catch you back here next month. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to all my co-hosts for waking up early every month just to talk about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show is 80s Halloween Horror by Megan McDuffie. Hello, everyone. 
and welcome to the extended episode where we're going to be talking about beauty treatments gone wrong because i mean let's be honest we've all made a mistake <laughs> we've all done very we've done things that were meant to make us feel good but made us end up making us feel real bad but now they can make us laugh because tragedy plus time equals comedy <laughs> 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 no, Matilda, this was your uh, your suggestion for the extended episode topics. So I'm going to let you take it away because I feel like you have um, some stories to tell. I do. And I'm kind of torn about which one of these to talk about. Interesting, because my story will also result in me being torn. Continue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there's, uh, there's the kind of like... Um, you know, I'm of an age that I have a perm story. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I also have a DIY hubris story about beauty treatment. I wonder if we have a shared hubris story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I involved you in my hubris, I feel like. Um, oh. Because I texted oh, you okay. after Maybe, it Okay, happened. then definitely not. Okay. Um, yeah, so the perm one is just that, like, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and I was really into flash dance as a kid, and I brought that album cover. Was it the foot sex? It was, it was the not foot the foot sex, <laughs> but I did okay, bring okay. that album cover into the salon and was like, make it happen. Amazing! And any, if you've met me, you know that I have fairly straight hair. Like, my hair is the... Um, yeah. The uh, the Hollywood I'm a bitch haircut, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? The like <laughs> you care more about business than pumping out That's children, right. so you're a monster, That's right. the, like, careerist Bob, right? Um, yes, yes. Sit like the Uma Thurman and Pulp Fiction Bob. Um, yes, and so my hair is not naturally like Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. Right. Or say like right. Susan Sarandon in The Witches of Eastwick, much to my chagrin. So um, this went not in the way that I wanted it to. Oh, no. <laughs> and that perm became fairly relaxed fairly quickly. And because it was the mid 80s, my hair was parted in the middle. And so I wanted flash dance and I got like menudo. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it had like, like there was a beautiful wave to it, but boy, it did not look good. And I was so ready. I had a little silver braided headband to wear across my head underneath it when oh, at the time I was um oh, auditioning. Oh, you really Amazing. were Manuto. Oh, yeah. At the time I was um trying to become the first girl in the my school's breakdancing crew. So, you know, I had aspirations for this hair, but um <laughs> Didn't they work, were not huh? really met and then so the current diy thing you know during lockdown and even before i have um some hubris about like i could do that at home um when it comes to beauty things <laughs> uh -huh, um, uh -huh. so most recently i decided i'm gonna give myself an eyelash lift Oh, right. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. I remember this. Okay. And yep. so do you know what this is? This is basically like a perm. These are both perm stories. A perm right. for your eyelashes where you kind of glue yeah. this to this pad <laughs> and then you perm it there with saran wrap over it and really try not to get it in your eye. And then... and Yeah, you know, I'm scared of those. Yeah. So I'm going to try it again. I feel like I learned some things, but... um. I did it 
one morning when I was like, okay, I've got my craft light so I can actually see. I'm up early. I got plenty of time. I just get a cup of coffee and do it. It went fair. I didn't hurt myself, but I could not get the glue that glued the pad to my eyelid off. Oh no. oh, no. Oh, no. Which meant that for the rest of the day, I would open my eye and it would stick open. <laughs> no. And I had to go meet a new oh, gynecologist. No. No. <laughs> who was, you know, asking me. So you must have looked very shocked at everything. <laughs> I, I looked really sh- It was really only happening on one side. So, like. Oh, no. <laughs> 